Welcome back, guys, to Revamp Podcast. We are back here with another episode. I know it's been a while, but we're back on the grind. So here we are with another guest today. Our guest is Sister Julie, uh, my pastor's wife here at the door of South Oklahoma City. So today we're going to get into her testimony, see what she has to say. Remember to follow guys, uh, leave a comment, whatever. Uh, just spread the, the podcast around however you can. Uh, really appreciate y'all listening. So let's get into it. Welcome to Revamped. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So we're just going to start off like normal, how we start <laughs> off with everybody. Everybody always gets nervous, so it's all right if you stutter or whatever. Okay. I'll just, I'll just mark that out. But anyway, so <laughs> how was life growing up? How was your childhood? Where where'd you come from? You know, where were you born, raised? How was that? Um, <clears throat> I was born on a military base. Fort Riley, Kansas. My dad was a um, drill instructor, drill sergeant, and he met my mom overseas. My mom is Vietnamese, and they got married in 73, and um, he brought her to America. And so we're, I was born on base, and we lived in Manhattan, Kansas. And um, so what I remember is we had a huge house, had multiple cars, um, mobile home. Um, my dad had a luxury car. Um, I don't remember wanting for anything. Um, and then my dad retired from the military. And we moved to Grants, New Mexico, um, because the uranium mines were big then in the 80s. And um, he went there to retire. And I just remember, um, I don't know, in my eyes, it was the perfect life, I guess, being young. Uh, and just, just a normal life, living yeah. life. Uh, did you have any siblings or? No, I'm an only child. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm the oldest of three. Um, I have a sister that's two years, two and a half years younger than me. Her name is Angie. And then we have a brother that is seven years younger than me, I believe. So you run, you you ran the pack. Of, of the <laughs> I, <kids>. tried <laughs> I tried to. I tried to. So just pr pretty normal life um, growing up, uh, mm -hmm. moved military family, military upbringing. Uh, so how was religion in your family? Was that something important to your family or kind of maybe nothing? Um, I don't remember it b being important till, till we went to a fellowship church. I do remember in Kansas, in our big house, a couple times being dressed for church. And my dad was like a, this sounds silly, but a diehard Dallas fan. And if Cowboys were playing, I remember sitting there in my dress as he watched the game. Like, we never even went to church. So it wasn't something we did consistently. We went every once in a while. And then when we would, when we would go home um, every summer to Georgia where my dad's family lives, we would go to church there because my grandfather was a reverend, a Baptist preacher. So we would go then, and it was just something we did 
it wasn't like something we did on a consistent basis. So there was a religious background uh, kind of upbringing. Uh, so yeah. y'all knew of going to church, of Jesus, whatever. So that was kind of in part of the family. Not a big deal, but still, it yeah, was still there. I remember doing it, yeah. It. So from there, how, how was that growing up? Did you ever find your, did you find yourself believing, not caring, or like you didn't know? Or how was that growing up? About God? Yeah, about God. Um, Honestly, I don't remember anything until we came to to a fellowship church. And I think at that time it was called um, Foursquare. Foursquare Gospel Church or something like that. And then it turned to being um, the potter, the the door. I think it, then it turned to the door, because then it turned to Potter's house later. Yeah, so it turned into the door. Um, so I don't think I even gave thought because my parents got saved when I was like five, oh. like five or six. So I don't remember anything other than the fellowship. So you kind of grew up in that. That was. Mm -hmm church kid kind of mm -hmm. life yeah that's how you grew up in the church yeah and when my dad got saved i mean he was really sold out i'm like we went to everything was early for everything my dad was very militant so and very faithful like whatever he uh put his mind to he was loyal to it so when he got saved it was a radical change um my dad would tell everybody about Jesus. Everybody knew who Fred Bailey was. He, and so, yeah, I just remember being at church all the time. That's all I knew. <laughs> so they brought you up in that. So your life mm -hmm. wasn't in partying and no. doing all this stuff. You grew up with, in a military religious mm -hmm. home where you went to church and everything. Yeah, it, even when I was, even before the fellowship, my parents never partied. I don't ever remember hearing my dad cuss. Like, it was just a wholesome family. Just a good family, you could say. Mm -hmm. I do remember my dad being very, um, when he'd get angry, he'd get angry, but, like, scary angry, but um, not nothing, nothing to where I was like, oh, gosh, we need to find a church. You know what I mean? It just kind of happened. So when did you come to faith in Jesus? You know, as a church kid, everybody, you know, is different. But when did mm -hmm. you come to faith in Jesus where you say, you know, I repent, I'm making a turn in my life? Um, well, growing up in church, you're always told when you come to the age of understanding, you know what I mean? Because, like, as faithful as we were to church, I mean, I knew what we did. I knew all the church stories you know, all the Bible stories, knew all the songs. Um, and I would say it would have to be when I made a conscious decision would have to be 12. Because at that time, when you turn 12, that's when you get to get into ministry, when you start understanding heaven and hell and and um, knew that I had to make a decision. And I remember that I got baptized at 13. So before that, I was like, this is what I made. That's when I really remember saying the prayer and saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for God. 
that's when you committed to. Yeah. And did did your parents have an effect on that going to church? You know, growing up in church, did that push you to want to be involved in ministry, or did that kind of push you away? Maybe scared. No, of it. it want. I wanted to. I wanted to. When I remember when we went to church. It was at that time in the 80s where that was part of the that Jesus movement that happened in the 70s. At the end, the fellowship was very early in that time. And that church in Grants was on fire. I mean, there was like, I remember they had prayer meetings three times a day. Like in the morning, in the middle of the day, and at, at in the evening. The church was open three times a day for prayer. And... They, were, they always had concerts. It was just such a fire and revivals and miracles that I would see people that came in and saw how they would change. There was just no denying that God was real and, um, and that there was no alternative. Like, I knew we were different and I liked being different. Um, and I saw my dad, um, pray every day, read his Bible. Like it wasn't just something we did. It was his life and he believed it so much. And, um, just his faithfulness and us being there all the time. It was so ingrained that there was no other option. Yeah. I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, coming from a church kid, you know, you... That's what you know. That yeah. that's your life growing up in church. Uh, that's all you know. That's how you were raised. That's you do this, you do that, and and in some manner, it's a blessing. In other manners, it it, it could really hinder you. Yeah. And many, I hear many people who grew up in church say, you know what? I don't even have a testimony. I don't have a powerful testimony. You know what? And and that's the lie the devil will tell you because you grew up in church. You grew around this. You know, it's very it's very easy to be become familiar with it yeah from very familiar but it's still a blessing to be able to be brought up in this mm -hmm. in a church environment so you know you do not have to experience other things so growing up did you ever maybe more to, toward your teen years do you ever feel like you wanted to be uh, a part of the world like doing what the world does like you know what i want to try this i want to try that like drugs whatever it may have mm -hmm. been was there ever that pull on you to want to go out and experience that or were you strong in your faith? Every person's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there was no pool. I did see what the world did, and I saw the end of it because I'm very a uh, deep thinker. Yeah. So it's just kind of like that's stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, I like I said, I got into ministry early and the, the standards that were there to stay in those ministries kept me. I didn't want to mess up and lose the ministries. Like, um, I started very young in song service and, um, at 12, cause I love to sing was in every play, every choir. And, um, they, the leaders that were there at that time really, um, mentored me on on ministry and what it meant and our job as as the song service team and stuff like that and um back then we had to go to prayer before school you missed three times you got 
canned, it was called. Like you you couldn't you couldn't minister that Saturday if you missed. It was real strict. Yeah. Now that I look back, I was like, man, our I don't know if that would even fly now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But back then, people did it. Like yeah. they it was such a movement, like a, such a revival era that um I went to it, but in Grants, it takes like three minutes to get anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's illogical in a big city to go to prayer and make it to school on time because you're in a big city, you know. Yeah. But in those, in that day, I remember um, going to prayer before school and then going. And I mean, sometimes you felt, I felt a little different but again I liked being different but um I'd never thought that I was I thought I was missing out on the fun but I knew where that fun would end so I wouldn't even try like I had friends but not because a lot of a lot of them would just end up pregnant or they would be the story on Monday it was just to my mind I was like it's stupid yeah. sin is stupid you know yeah. what I mean like I'm not gonna do that but um, I, I will say honestly that the only thing that tugged me was, um, probably boys as a, as a young girl, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're around, you, you're in school, you're in school, yeah. you know, but, um, and I maybe had a few crushes that weren't in the church, but it was nothing serious, like stupid. <laughs> your, your crush should have been Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's how it goes. You know, everybody's different how yeah. they grow up. You know, I hear some people, they say, you know, yeah, I was really pulled. And maybe they did leave the church in a, yeah. and maybe returned or never returned mm -hmm. to Jesus. But, you know, everybody's different. They get pulled by different things because growing up in this atmosphere, uh, depending who your parents are, you, you, you yeah. could say you're sheltered, you know, sheltered yeah. from things. So you don't get to experience certain things, yeah. you know. But then you go out into maybe you go to public school, you get to see other kids' lives, so they're how mm -hmm. they live, and you begin to see. Mm -hmm. You may think they're having fun, but at the, like you said, in the yeah. end, it leads to. And my dad was very chaos. involved in our lives. Like he knew who we were, I mean, who we were with, what time we'd be there. If we said we we're gonna be holding a certain time, we dare not be a minute late. He would be on our backs. Like it was, and he would show up. <laughs> so. I think that fear of getting caught kept me in the straight and narrow because I wouldn't dare yeah. um, disobey because I knew he could show up anywhere. Um, my dad was very, very strict, especially as girls. Um, but I knew he loved me. And uh, you look back and realize after you have your own kids, <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's why. <laughs> very militant, very... Uh... Yes, he was very involved. And, like... and I think that's what's lacking in the world today. You know, you look around and mm -hmm. you see these parents who aren't mm -hmm. even parents. You know, you mm -hmm. look, it's friends or mm -hmm. people they don't even know. Kids grow up without yeah. uh, uh, fathers, mothers, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Or they're in the house and they're... They just don't care about them. They don't yeah. put in time to their kids. They put in time to other things. And these kids are running around, you know, lost. Mm -hmm. You that, that That's what the world is full of today is confusion in these kids. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to believe in. They don't know who they are. Identity crisis, you know, because yeah. their parents aren't there guiding them, leading yeah. them, showing them the way. That's why you see suicide rates out through the roof because kids, 
they can't handle life. They can't right. handle the pressure because their parents were never there to teach them yeah. how to. And that's what's lacking today. But yeah. you look around and you see, but it, thank God for parents who are still involved with your kids' lives. Yeah. You know, like you see. And my parents were involved. You know what I mean? Like my dad was part of video ministry. He was always on outreach. I mean, even in his latter years, he went to outreach when he, till he could not anymore. Like yeah. he would drive us to youth rallies. He would drive us to haunted houses. Like we're in Grant, so Gallup Church would have a haunted house. Santa Fe would have a haunted He would drive us teenagers. He was so involved. Um, and I think that makes the difference because a lot of parents think that just because they're going to church, that their kids are okay because they yeah. brought them. Yeah. But there's so many kids that I grew up in church with that didn't have the same kind of parenting as mine where they probably thought my dad was strict, but I thank God for that because he was involved. Like yeah. he would tell us he through his life showed us the importance of why we went to church. They were very, they would have us at Sunday school. They would have us at youth group. We would go to every concert, go. It was so ingrained that he didn't have to explain much but when he did have to, it made sense because it was important to our dad for us to be there. And that's why it becomes a lifestyle, yeah. you know, because like that Israel children, like Chinese, like different cultures, they ingrain in their kids. It's so young that when they grow older, they're so um, there's no alternative. It, that's what it is. That's how it is. You know, it's not just seeing my my parents come to church. I saw Jesus living in them. Yeah. And that's the importance of um, exampleship, you know, mm -hmm. in the in the family, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you could come to church, you could come sit in church and you could expect your kids to do good. But they're going to follow you if you just come to church and you're, you know, you're not. Yeah. You act one way here and you act another way. They're going to follow mm -hmm. the, in that. So many people, they want. Yeah. Oh, why do you know? I want yeah. them to be like this, but you got to set that example first. Yeah. You got to show, you know, your love for Jesus. You got to show mm -hmm. your love for God in the things you do and how you do it. You got to show that to them because yeah. it can't, it, it's it's really not a thing that could be taught. You can't teach yeah. people how to love Jesus as to being shown. You know, you love Jesus and people look at that as mm -hmm. a testimony and you say, you know what, there's. There's something about Jesus that, you know, they act this way. They, mm -hmm. they, you know, they're not like other people. They have a joy or something. That's the importance of exampleship, being yeah. involved in, even in ministries, whatever it may be, being involved, showing, you know, you know, doing stuff for Jesus, mm -hmm. showing your love, not just sit, filling a chair, you know, on, right. on Sunday morning. Yeah, because if a parent, especially as your teenagers, that you miss a service, it's not a big deal. You're not going to go to hell, but. You miss a service and you have the, and the kids see why, you know what I mean? Um, then when, as they grow older, it's not a big deal to them to miss church. You know what I mean? If you're faithful to church, you want to be so faithful that not going to church is uncomfortable for your kid. Like, why aren't we in church, mom? Yeah. Because it's such a part of life for them that when that's missing, the kid will know like, this is not right. But if it's, normal to miss church and be unfaithful then it's going to be normal for that kid as he's growing up that it's not yeah. a big deal wasn't a big deal to my mom and dad why do i go it's you know yeah. it misses its purpose yeah that's it's like in the bible says train a, a child in a way he should go and he won't depart from that 
the training up the kid, you know, bringing them to church. Like uh, my mom came to church every service. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad didn't. My dad doesn't come to church, but my mom would be here, and I had to go with my mom. I didn't yeah. have no choice. So, and that was part of it. I came every service, mm-hmm. and and through the years, maybe I didn't want to come sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know. It's like that sometimes, but and that's taught- awesome because some moms are like, "Well, you can stay home with dad." <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know? <laughs> it, it taught me to come to church. It taught me yeah. to be faithful in church. Why? Just so we could be here? No, because we show our love for Jesus. That's the love for Jesus. That's the love for God. That you know what? I need to be in service. Mm-hmm. I need to be there. You know, not just oh, because you know, if I'm not there, pastor's gonna you know yell at me or something. I'm gonna get in trouble. But you know, sometimes you miss services or something. Yeah, because stuff happens. Yeah. Not saying you gotta be here no. if your your head's falling off. But no, yeah, to have that faithfulness. Yes, in going in church. So going on after you know, growing up, ten years. Uh, uh, you. Know, going on uh graduating going into adulthood where where was your life heading from there how how was you planning out your life um i want i always made straight a's was an honor student um and i knew i wanted to go to college i knew that i wasn't going to get a good job if i didn't um and but God was all, and I wanted to go to Spelman. It is a private college in Georgia for um, African American girl, American girls, and I wanted to go there. I don't know why. Maybe the Cosby Show. I don't know, <laughs> but I wanted to go to a college. But I just felt in my heart that God wanted me to stay in grants, and um, I. Um, went to the call the branch there for nmsu in grants the grants branch of nmsu there and i wanted to be a lawyer but i didn't want to do all that school so i'm like i'm just going to be a legal assistant and so i wanted to go to school and get my legal assist be a certified legal assistant and um that's what i did i right after I started college my senior year of school. I went half in high school and half in college. And um, that's what I was wanting to do. Um, a teacher had got mad at me. She wa- she was going to give me a full ride scholarship to her university and um, a four year paid. And I told her that I didn't think it was God's will. And she yelled at me in school. I remember that. And um, she was like, you're throwing your life away. And uh, she's like, this is a free ride, free college and stuff. But I stayed in grants because God quickened me. He's like, if you went to Spelman, you'd probably not be saved in a year. You know? And so not that college is bad. It's just that God wanted me to stay. Yeah. in grants and so that's what i did i went to college there and that shows god's will is different for everybody just because one person does something doesn't mean you have to follow down that path mm-hmm. or you know they didn't do this doesn't mean you know oh you're a bad person for not following it it's god's will for your life don't discount you know well they got this well they got that well their will is different from your will that mm-hmm. god gave you to do we all have a purpose in life to fulfill for god in god's will I'm like, we could be out outside of God's will and do things. And, you yeah. know, at the end of the day, it's 
it's not worth it, you know. To mm-hmm. be in God's will, it's worth it in the end because God knows best. Mm-hmm. So upon following that, when you get married... Um, I um, almost married the wrong person. <laughs> and I know that I'm going to have ministry friends <laughs> laughing their heads off because they all know the story. And um, I was engaged to somebody else before Pastor Sean. And um, thank God for praying parents (laughs) and uh, youth leaders and people that were praying for me. Um, Just... It turned, this relationship turned toxic because I found myself coming to church and just always talking to him, like always in his face. Like I went to outreach still, I went to prayer, I was in ministry, but everything was about him. And then we were, we started arguing about stuff that Christian people don't argue about. Like it was just getting red flags and... And I felt myself, I didn't backslide, I wasn't in sin, but I felt myself distancing from God. Yeah. And I felt dirty inside Mm -hmm. because our conversations were turning ungodly. Um, We never violated, but there were things that could could have got there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Um, And... My relationship with God had built up so much that God was convicting me all the time. Like, and I had made the decision to break up and um, he left. I mean, we had dated for like two years and was engaged for a couple of months. And when I broke up, when we broke up, he left. And that just showed me that all that time that he wasn't really saved. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just going for me. Yeah. And... Um, and at that time, at that breakup, I met Pastor Sean, um, oh, oh boy. <laughs> at, com- at conferences and stuff. And I was like, um, I'm just going to, I'm never going to get married. This stuff sucks. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm just going to go to college, get a degree. I'm going to make good money, send money home to mom. I'm never going to get married you know, love is overrated. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, cause and um he tried to talk to me. I'm like, nah. <laughs> My heart's too bandaged. Uh, and so I saw him at conferences because he was part of our baby church. Amarillo is a baby church of grants. And um I was like, damn, this guy is on fire. Whoever marries him is going to be a lucky one, you know, but it ain't me because I'm never getting married. (laughs) But um, he kept pursuing, and six months down the line, the ex-boyfriend did come back to church. Cried crocodile tears. And in my heart, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's back. It is God's will, you know, whatever. (laughs) But God was like, nope hold on, hold on, you know, and he cried crocodile tears at the altar. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's real. But God was telling me like, you need to keep your guard up, keep your guard up. 
don't just, oh, he's saved now. It's just going to continue or whatever. But um, he was coming for like two weeks. I avoided him all the time because I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted him to be saved, you know. And then finally we met in the hall and he's like, how are you doing, blah, 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 want to get together. And I was like, no, you need to serve God. And he was gone again. So at the same time, every time I saw Sean Davis, he would always try to talk to me. <laughs> and um, even when I said no, he he just kept pursuing and... Consistent. Yeah, he was consistent. Even when I said, no, I'm not ready for a relationship. No, you know, he just kept, kept on. And I knew he loved God, you know, and... I would hear about him. I loved his relationship with his pastor. He was involved. He was such an on-fire guy. He would go and street preach on his own. And I was like, this guy loves God. Like, he checked all the boxes. Every teenage girl does it, has a list. <laughs> Every saved girl, I would say, has a list. They want, you know. I knew I wanted to marry somebody that... They would be like, as free of my house, we will serve God. Even if I faltered, he would be so strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of guy that I wanted. And uh, finally, I was like, okay, we'll start talking. <laughs> I give you a chance. <laughs> yeah. Like after after oh, a year or so, I finally like, okay, he's not quitting. He really must like me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we dated for a year. And then... He asked me to marry, and I said no the first time. Oh, man. I know. He had a womp, ring and womp, everything. Womp. It was at a Gallup conference. <laughs> and I said no. I got so scared because I told myself if I— Because I was embarrassed, too, with the first one. Got engaged, and then it didn't turn right. Yeah. So I was like, if I— I told myself then, if I ever got engaged again, it's going to be for real, for real. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's what I want to do. Because remember, I said I was never getting married. Yeah. So when he had the ring, I was like, oh, whoa, like, <laughs> I was like, the ring is beautiful, but I can't say yes. But Sean was, he still talked to me. Like, he didn't just go on to the next one. Like, oh, she doesn't want to, so I'm going to go date elsewhere. He continued to, to try to talk to me. I was like, wow, like, he really... <laughs> So he stepped, he, we still dated, you know, long distance relationship. Um, I would go visit, he would come over, you know, um, saw each other at conference, all the things. And then I would say, cause that was April, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So seven months later, cause I prayed and fasted. I was like, okay, okay. God is saying, go ahead. Cause I was, I would always get words that I was going to be a pastor's wife. And at this time of praying or whatever, um, I got a word saying, don't settle for second best. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And um, and I, in our courtship or whatever, just one day I called, in our talking, when me and my husband were talking, I said, you know what, um, I'm, I'm ready. And he was like, ready for what? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm ready to say yes. He drove down the next day <laughs> and brought the ring. And so it was October 1st of 93. 
and we got engaged and we were married in June of 94. So next June we'll be celebrating, well, we just celebrated uh, 29 years. So we'll be married 30 years next year. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you glad you said yes? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like that goes to show marrying the right person, you know, you could have yeah. ended up in a a bad situation or whatever, you know, unhappy or whatever that goes, you know, looking for that godly person, looking for that person who who is following after God before they're following after you, you know, yeah. that that person that I'm like for anybody that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's very easy to begin to fall out of love with Jesus and to love with somebody else, yeah. you know and get distracted but pursuing after god first and then second whoever that is and that makes the difference is having your own relationship with god because who am i that i'm so special that god would quicken me if i hadn't had my relationship with god i would have fallen like there was a lot of red flags with the previous one and the arguments started to be physical like grabbing my arm slamming the door like god was showing me like do you want to live your life like that do you want to live like an abusive wife do you want to have to fight to go to church like god was really telling me that yeah and i owe it to having a relationship with god to be able for god to even speak to you because if you're already flaky then you're already going to be going off your flesh and what you think because i thought he was the one like that's who i saw myself with couldn't see myself with anybody else and that's why i took so long with with my husband because i didn't want to fall through like yeah. you know what i mean living from that past of what happened uh, yeah you, you know then eventually getting married you know mm-hmm. going on 30 years almost <laughs> Happily married. So after y'all got married after that, because I know now y'all's pastoring. So how yeah. was that leading up to that? Uh, to pastoring? Be, be, being sent out, yes. Um, We were married three years before we got sent out. And um, during those three years, we didn't even have kids because we both wanted to wait. We waited. We wanted to wait five years before we had kids. So we kept our promise. Plans worked. <laughs> um, so... We were just very involved, just being newlyweds, a loving life. Um, That last year, there was three couples before us that went out before us, and they all came back, divorced, backslid. So ministry started to scare me for a while. I was like, is that going to happen to us? Like, are we going to get sent out and we're going to end up divorced (laughs) and backslid? Like, but every conference... I kid you not, my husband can testify to this. Every conference, every revival, we would always get a word. And it was like, oh, just so scared to fail. Like the three previous couples before us. Yeah, you had that fear. Yeah, know? because it was like, we, if we're going to do this, we cannot come back that way. We cannot come back divorced. We can't come back backslid. And... um we had created such good relationships with Pastor Sadafiko and Sister Janelle that it was almost like a loyalty to them too. Like, we don't want to go out to fail you like the other three did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that those conferences, there was, our hearts would pull so hard. It's like, we have to go. We are rotting. We have to go, you know? And um, Pastor was like, gave us options. 
like, do you want to go to the south side of Amarillo? We're like, oh, no, we want to pioneer. Like, we don't want to just go to the other side of the city. We want to go to another state, you know, yeah. <laughs> or another town um, far away. <laughs> and he's like, Dallas. Oh, no, Dallas is too big. You know, we don't want to go to Dallas. How about Plainview? How about Pampa? Um, we visited those places, but mm. and he's like, how about Oklahoma City? I'm like, that's not too far. It's like three and a half hours. Yeah. We came here, and uh, I remember we prayed every day in the hotel room, and we would just drive around the city, and we would see couples like us, mixed couples. You know, like, and Oklahoma City is full of mixed families that we felt like we could hit two cultures here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we felt like this was where God wanted us to be, and so... We were the first out of those three. I mean, the fourth couple sent out. Um, oh, I take that back. When I, when we left, there was another past. There was, there was one couple that was still out. My, I'm sorry, there was still one. So there was two that had went back, but there was still one because I remember coming back for New Year's and they were there too. But. Um, that's how we got to Oklahoma City. And we started off in our home on the north side. And then we we just weren't getting any fruit. And then my husband got a place, a community center on the south side to do a movie. And, uh, or something on the south side. And that's when we met Billy and Celia and, um, Sandy and Summer. And um, so that's when we lived at that house for three years. And then we decided, well, we got our church on the south side and we were driving back and forth. And then we finally moved to the south side. But yeah. that's how we ended up in south side because that's where we just casted the reel on the other side. And that's <laughs> where the fruit came in. So how was it coming here just being getting sent to another state in another city uh coming here how was that from amarillo yeah being you have fear excited yeah nervous. it was like amarillo was, is such a firehouse church that it felt like coming from a crowded room to a closet because then it's just us you know what i mean yeah and pastor was like you guys can go to an assemblies of god church if you really need to go to church you know they're probably the closest to us. We went to one and we're like, nah. <laughs> I mean, it was cool and everything, but nobody ever dealt with us. The pastor preached about himself and everything. And back then we still had cassette tapes. Yeah. So after that, we would just listen to pastor on the on cassette tape <laughs> because it was just like not enough. Yeah. And um, so it just pushes you to build that church because you don't want to be just you two still. So we just kept doing all that we can, outreaching almost every day, went out to eat, tried to talk to people, you know, and stuff. So that's how it was kind of, um, we were young. I was 23 and Pastor was 29, 28, 29. 28, 29. So I guess that's not young, but um, 
It's young. <laughs> people, and all our church when we started was young people, teenagers. Yeah. And that's when you hear pastors saying people would say, oh, go back to Emerald. You're just youth leaders because we had nothing but young people. But we saw the potential in them. And now, you know, they're pastoring and having families of their own and still saved. So those yeah. teenagers um, turned into being the foundation of our church. Yeah. And that goes to show don't discount people or whatever no matter mm -hmm. the age or of anybody you know that god could still use them that's what the church was built on the youth the these teenagers that come in from you know broken mm -hmm. homes broken families living out on the street doing you mm -hmm. know drugs whatever these strung out people whatever it may be and they come into this place and give their lives to jesus to make a change to see them now mm -hmm. some of them pastoring they mm -hmm. have their families in the mm -hmm. church serving god you know it shows yeah, you know, and it was the power of Jesus. Yeah, it was crazy because I had never drank, never did drugs, never <laughs> partied, and I'm ministering to girls that had lost their virginity at 12. You know what I mean? And I couldn't tell them I had been there. You're like, like uh... my husband was my first. Like it was just, and I would cry at night. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to tell them. I've never been there. I would just love them and just tell them what that it wasn't too late to be pure in God's eyes and and um I summer sister summer that's the pastor's wife on the north side she came to Jesus when she was 13 and we were so opposite like everything that she knew at that age I didn't I <laughs> wanted a pair of skates at 13 you know what I mean she was like running the streets and yeah being a thief and <laughs> partying and all that at that time. And it was just crazy. It, it goes to show, you know, even coming from these drastic, differently, you know, different backgrounds mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, Jesus is the answer, you know, to see these two people come, you know, from way different opposite ends of life that, you know, it's not about who you are. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you've been through, but about mm -hmm. who you know about Jesus that you, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to have all this life experience. I don't have to go out and, yeah. you know, snort Coke to go witness to the cokehead. I just right. have to love them and show them who Jesus is, you know, yeah. tell them what Jesus did in my life, that the power, you know, the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to them. It's not through our own power, but, you mm -hmm. know, through God. Yeah. That these people could be led to Jesus and that people, that God would use people like us yeah. to reach other people like this. That yeah. God would use whoever, you know, even these people coming out of broken homes or, you know, older getting saved, being drug addicts or different things mm -hmm. uh, that they're ministering now. You know, some people wouldn't even let them because of their background. Yeah. They do a, you know, background check on him, <laughs> yeah. pull up all their history and be like, you've oh. got to have and Pastor nope. Sean because his <laughs> testimony is way different than mine. God has a sense of humor because I'm the... I always get, say that we make a good we make a good pair because he's street smart because <laughs> I'm like naive, but I'm book smart. So together we can <laughs> conquer the world. <laughs> Double smart. It's <laughs> funny. That goes to show you know God will use anybody. God could take people you know different and marry them. You know they know. come together and God will use them. You know y'all came here and started a church and still going today up. Uh, just past 25 years celebrating our anniversary here in the church that I could grow up here in this church, you know, 
that I could still be here because we stayed open, you know, because the faithfulness of the pastor and and you and of the people to stay faithful and, you know, keep the doors open. You could have you could have ran back, you know, back to Amarillo and said, you know, what, we're done with this. We're not doing this. Maybe, you know, we got a bunch of crackhead teens, but, you know, we're going to continue, <laughs> you know, and seeing yeah. the change in their life. So I know how is that going back? Because I know a pastor went back to evangelize for mm. some time. How is that transitioning into that? Oh, living that life. It was horrible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, we were here for nine years. I love Oklahoma City. I still love Oklahoma City. And um, it's it's a big city, but it has a small time town feel. And um, I saw our I saw us creating a mother church here and pumping out churches. And when he said he wanted to evangelize. I was not the one that said, yes, dear, wherever you go, I will go. I did not do that. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> I had just found out that I was pregnant with Micaiah. And um, I was like, I was like, are you sure? Like, I was like, but the church is doing so well. Like, why are we leaving? You know, yeah. we had good solid 40, I would say. Um and our teenagers had married and, um, you know, the church was, we we're doing things. We were a small church, but we were doing big things. And um, I was like, give me one more year. Let me have this baby, you know? <laughs> and so I just thought it was just a th something he was thinking of. I didn't think he heard from God, <laughs> but um, then that year rolled around and, um, conference came up and he said it could happen it could happen this time and I'm like oh I was like no 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 for for okay first he told me I said um I said no a year went around and then he said I really feel like God's wanted me to evangelize I was like I was like I just don't feel God in this <laughs> I just don't I was like, I don't think so. So then another year rolls around and he said, it's happening. We're, we're, I'm going to go home to evangelize. And that whole time as a wife, as a pastor's wife, I just didn't feel the peace of God. God didn't speak to me and God humbled me because he doesn't have to speak to me. He spoke to my husband and um, it didn't affirmed to me that it was God's will to that night that we got announced. Pa I remember it clearly Pastor um, Payne was there and he says, I don't usually do this, but I want this couple to stand up. He's going to evangelize and um, come up to the stage. Because usually if you go to evangelize, you don't go up to the altar. I mean, you don't go to the stage. It's just the new works. And, uh, you know, and most most of our church was there. And when we walked up there, I can hear gasping behind us and I'm bawling my eyes out because I just felt like I was leaving my family because they were just in shock, yeah. you know, because the church was doing well. And my husband said, this is the best time to leave is when the church is doing well. And I was like, and then when they prayed for all the couples, Pastor Artie prayed for us. And he said, he said, you've been, you've been, um, 
to you've been battling with this decision for two years. And that's when I knew that it this was God. Because remember, a whole year had went by and then another year went by. Yeah. And I was like just convicted because I felt like I was the hinder ring. Cause I was like, I just don't feel God in this. I mean, I'll go, but I didn't feel nothing. And um Man, I was emotionally drained after that weekend because I did not want to go. I wanted to stay in Oklahoma City. And when we went back to Amarillo, most of the people that we had discipled with, because we hadn't been there for nine years, and everybody knew who we were, but I didn't. There were so many new faces. All the couples that we were discipled with um, or were there, there was only like two couples that were, two or three couples that were still there. Yeah. And so it was like, God, I'll go. I don't like it, but I'll go. <laughs> But the Emerald Church is so awesome. They welcomed us back. Every, when we got there with U-Haul, they helped us unload. Such a warm welcome. Um, and I was like, Micaiah was six months old. Jaquel was five. Akeem was seven. And I was like, my babies need their dad. I knew about evangelists. Yeah. I was like, the dad's not there. You know, and I always said, oh, got to be a strong woman to be evangelist wife. And then here I am. I was like, my kids are small. They need their dad, you know? <laughs> and um, so I was torn. Like, I'm just going to focus on the kids. I'm not going to get involved. The church is big. They don't need me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just didn't get involved and stuff. And then four months later, I went to, uh, they. it was called a Piner's Rally, Shepherd's Rally or something in Lubbock. And Pastor Paul Stevens preached, and I wasn't even supposed to go that night. And the reason why I tell this story is because <laughs> I wasn't supposed to go that night. <laughs> um, I had the three kids. We had a car seat and two booster seats. And my husband, Pastor Sadafiko, had asked my husband to drive the van for people to go to, to the rally. And so he calls me. He goes, I'm going to stay home. I didn't want to be lugging all the kids and all that. So... He calls me and says, babe, there's only a few of us in this van. There's room for you and the kids if you want to come. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll go. So we went, and Pastor Stevens preached on the will of God. And he said, you're sitting in the audience, and you said, God, I don't like it, but I'll go. I was like, oh, like I like shrunk in the seat because I was just like, he read my mail. And he just said, I don't know if that's biblical or not. Or not, he said, but if you love the Father, you need to learn to love the Father's will. And he said, it's not your preference, it's your purpose. And I was convicted so bad. I was like, oh, God. Like, my purpose is still the same, is to win souls, whether it's in Amarillo, whether it's in Oklahoma City, whether it's overseas in Timbuktu, my purpose is still the same. And who am I? Like, I didn't leave dragging my heels. I just left with, I don't like this, but I'm going to, I'll obey. Yeah. I'll do it, but I don't like it. <laughs> but those 10 years of being as an evangelist wife, um, Pastor Zodafico and Sister Janelle are the most awesome pastors you could ever have. They were so there for me. The church was so um, supportive. The men in the church would always help me with the car seat. They would make sure I got home safe, even though I was by myself. I was in ministry, kept myself busy. Um, and 
you know, just be, I was like, I need to be a blessing to my pastor and wife, be a blessing to the church. As an evangelist wife doesn't mean I just sit around. I need to do that and realize that my kids were watching me. (laughs) And so um, that next 10 years prepared me for the next tour of Oklahoma City. (laughs) Coming back. Coming back. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't think we'd ever come back to Oklahoma City. <laughs> we didn't think we'd get be given the that that would even be an option. Yeah. We at the end of that ten years evangelism, my husband was like, you know, I would pioneer again. Would you pioneer? I was like, yeah, I'd go pioneer again. And we were looking at Colorado, Kansas. <laughs> you know, like we could live here. You know, we'd go on vacations or whatever. He'd evangelize and have relationships with people, and sometimes they would invite the whole family, so we would get to travel. So that was when we would see the different states. But um, so when, you know, it was an emergency takeover, so yeah, it was like what? Um, so we were like, if we don't take it, we have to. Like that was part of our our seed. So we didn't want Emerald to lose the church we didn't want them to be i mean you know it's fellowship you guys would have been in good hands but it was the amarillo seed you know yeah. we didn't want amarillo to lose it so that was of the other pool but anyways i didn't want to get into all of that <laughs> <laughs> coming back and you know that's just you know god's will is sometimes we don't want to do it you know god's yeah. will is not always yeah. <laughs> our preference always yeah. what we want to do you know like, why can't I go over here and pastor here, you know, because that's where I want to be. Or why right. can I do this? And, uh, you know, but it's it's worth it in the end. Doing God's will in the end is mm-hmm. worth it. The the people you're going to touch, you know, because you did God's will, God's using you, you know, you uh, how God's going to use you just because you obeyed in, in obedience to his will that, you know, the blessing that's going to be there. And after that, coming back to the church you pioneered coming back and Mm -hmm. what a great blessing it was to have you know you guys back you know everybody knew you guys from the start from the beginning Mm -hmm. coming back and y'all were able to send out the people y'all you know (laughs) y'all had as teenagers that when y'all came back you were able to send them out and it it goes to show god's blessing you know the uh, sowing you know that our labors aren't in vain that you you could have left and be like, oh no, it's all gone. But <laughs> yeah. still, God was doing a work here, and God was still raising up people to. Now, pastor, we have three baby churches out, one mm-hmm. including your son, <laughs> <laughs> that seven year old that went back with us. No, just kidding. I came back a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pray for evangelists and their families because at every age, they need their dads, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but he was present when he was home, and that's what um, helped our kids along. You know, they didn't. I didn't want them to despise the ministry. Yeah. You know that dad's never home, but whatever. They were very proud of who their dad was, and that was a blessing. Yeah. Still are. They still are proud. <laughs> <laughs> they stop me. <laughs> now they goes to show we that we need. Yeah, like you said, need to pray for our evangelist. You know, mm-hmm. the evangelist wife, pastor's wife, pastor, mm-hmm. all these people who are in, you know, pastoring positions. Yeah. That because they don't live a life like other people in the church do, you know, not that they're drastically different, but, you know, right. it is, you know, you have you're 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 sacrificing a lot to do this, you know, not to be like, oh, feel bad for them. But, no. you know, 
pray for them and, yeah. you know, appreciate your pastor, appreciate the evangelist, you know, because they're laying their life down for the, the will of God. They're, yeah. they're, they have submitted their life to the will of God, even with kids, with children, when they mm -hmm. have to leave, they, they leave their children there and they, you know, to go evangelize. So we need to be praying for these people, you know, because they're a huge blessing in our lives that they're able to minister to us, you know, and mm -hmm. come minister and, you know, pastor comes every service ministering to us, giving us the word of God so that we could grow, that we could stay saved, that we could have a place to come to worship with people, you know, that we could have a pastor to talk to, that we could have a pastor's wife to talk to, people who lead us and guide us, you know, that's mm -hmm. the great blessing of of our fellowship, I think that we have these people, this, it's like a big family, you yeah. know, you go everywhere and you feel you know, like your yeah. family, you know? Yeah. So going on from there, coming back, how was that, you know, being, coming back, was that, were you excited, scared again, <laughs> or did you feel like you were coming back home or? Um, because of the situation, it was exciting in a way, but at the same time, we did, we we didn't know it, how deep till we were in it. Yeah, and it was like mission restoration. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to get go into all the details, but it was um, eye opening on how much you can influence people. Um, and how you want to spread the gospel to where people find their own relationship with God, that no matter who the pastor is, that they'll still serve God. Yeah. No matter, you know, what, um, we thank God for those that are, that we're still here. Cause it, we know many stories of churches that have disintegrated because yeah. of takeovers church takeovers and um it's like we knew everyone but 10 years had passed by you know what i mean like yeah, that's a, that's we knew a little bit <laughs> we knew them but 10 years had passed and we all had become different people and so it was kind of like pioneering pioneering again yeah um because you're just trying to filter everybody you knew them at the beginning but they had grown yeah you know in 10 years so um, it was hard <laughs> because the, um, when we came back, Akeem was 17. He was in the middle of his junior year. Um, and Jaquel was 15. She was gonna, she went to be a, was she a junior? No, no. She was a freshman. So this is in the middle of teenage years. Yeah. And, Amarillo, they had their friends, they had their sport, you know, Akeem was in sports. Um, they're just finding themselves. And then we were gone before we said goodbye. You know what I mean? Like pastor yeah. said, are you going to go? And we had to be there that next Sunday. And the kids didn't even know. They thought I was just going with dad to cover a service. And then we came back to tell them that we're moving. Yeah. And it was hard. Um, the kids didn't rebel. They didn't argue with us. They did it. But I can see um, that they were um, sad. Yeah. They were leaving their friends. They were leaving their best friends. They were leaving their ministries. Um, 
I was involved in a lot of things, a lot of the planning, administrative, you know, just a lot of things. And the kids kind of fell in. So they had their own things. The big plays, like in Amarillo, we did The Grinch. We did um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like they were part of Lion King. The kids were in those plays. So all that excitement and stuff, they were part of all of that. Yeah. They saw me involved and they liked it. You know, so it was a family thing. We all went to practice. But um, Akeem had plans and us moving <laughs> kind of checked. That changed his yeah. destiny. And um, there were times where I regretted coming because I felt like we messed we messed them up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we ruined their plans and uh, they were missing their friends. And... Um, and because of the circumstances here, it was just felt like I was cleaning up somebody else's mess yeah. at the expense of my own kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, um, but looking back and hearing them talk, I know that it was just all part of God's plan. Yeah. That like goes, that sacrifice, even when yeah. you know, the whole family was a sacrifice to come back. Yeah. But the blessing that y'all did come back and were able to come back, then yeah. even now, you know, your pa your your son is still, you know, is out pastoring now. Yeah. And that he was a great example to us in showing that the young people could do things for, you know, for yeah. God, that the young people could be involved in ministries. And that that, that showed uh, these other kids coming in, you know, all your kids yeah. uh, coming and showing everybody else, you know, we can be involved. These the, uh, yeah. the younger people, yeah. that, you know, we can do things. And it was mm -hmm. a great blessing, you know, to see that. Yeah. And now that we see that, seeing you and seeing Kaim and Kim and um, all the young people, you know, it was just like it was it's all worth it. It's all worth it. You may not know why, but it's all worth right. in God's will. You know, right. sometimes you're like, hey, what the heck is going on, man? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, God knows what's best. God God is always in control. No matter what's happening, God's yeah. always in control. So mm. I think uh, <laughs> I think we got through most of it. Um, you you want to say anything else? Any other thoughts, comments, concerns, recipes you want to share on the podcast? No, um, I just want to thank you for... Um, asking me to do this i think it this session helped me to recollect on what god has done and uh sometimes we take that for granted yes well thank you for joining us thank you for coming and talking i know everybody gets nervous so thank you for, <laughs> for coming on so thank you guys for joining us today on this episode with sister julie um <laughs> Remember to share it, uh, whatever you could do. Leave a, a rating, whatever, a comment. Um, remember to join in back next time for another episode. <laughs> Be uploading more and more, uh, going through people, their testimonies, continuing this, showing that God, you know, God is involved in people's life, that God, no matter where you come from, no matter what background you're from, no matter your color, your race, your height, God loves you and God wants a relationship with you and God can change and transform your life in the end. You know, that's why it's called revamp because there's a transformation. There's a, a rebuilding. There's renewing in this. As the Bible says, he is in Christ as a new creature. Old things have passed. All things become new. So thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate it. See you next time.